but I've always, I think I did initially approach music from the angle of wanting to play bass. I kind of, for, I'd forgotten that till my parents reminded me when I bought the upright, I was, I was out in, I'd been wanting one on and off for years. I'm like, pick, pick them up and I'd be like, Oh yeah, I can, I yeah, I understand. I I know where the notes are. This makes sense. I have a good ear, so that's that's a huge thing for upright. Welcome to episode 108 of the Bay Shed Podcast. My name is Ryan Roberts. What's up, everybody? What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 108 of the Bay Shed Podcast. Uh, I did. I took last week off from uh, the podcast episode. It is actually this podcast episode that would have been released. Uh, the bassist is Eric Shedd, and he plays with the group Birds of Play. And I will talk more about him, and obviously you will hear me talk with him in just a minute. But I took last week off because I was finishing the record. <sighs> it's finally done. Finally done. Hallelujah. It's finally done. Uh, I'm so happy that it's finally done. And that will be up at uh, on Bandcamp, Ryan Roberts. Um, and you can you can get there by links links on thebayshed.com. Click on the tab that says album, and I will have a link to the Bandcamp there. You can check it out. If you've been listening to the podcast, you've been hearing me talk about this thing for way too damn long. Uh, and it's finally done. It's finally done. And um, man, man, did I learn a ton about making a jazz record in the process. Yeah, like when, when number two happens... <laughs> There's going to be quite a few things that are different. Um, but it was cool. Not only did I learn things that I'll you know do differently and how I'll approach the next one differently, uh, but I learned things I would have probably not otherwise learned. I learned a lot about the mix process, um, which was really cool. I like learning new things, and that was, that was one of them. But the record, Smile, is finally done. And it's out. It's out into the world. It's out into the world, and I'm excited about that. And you can check it out again at thebayshed.com backslash uh, album, right? Or you can go to my personal website, which is just Ryan Roberts Bass. It'll be up there as well. Uh, what else is happening? What else is happening? Uh, the Bass Shed Academy is doing uh, spring bass workshops on Saturday, April 1st. April 1st, and that's, uh, you know, I, I feel like 2023 is implied, but, you know, it's this year, so, you know, there's that next month, couple weeks away. Uh, spring bass workshops, that's going to be myself teaching the jazz workshop and the electric bass workshop, and a wonderful bass player named Chris Hornung teaching the classical workshop. The classical workshop will be from 10 a.m. to noon. The jazz workshop will be from 1 in the afternoon till 3 in the afternoon. And then the electric bass workshop will be in 3.30, starting at 3.30 in the afternoon till 5.30. So each or two hours. And they are limited seating, each one, because the idea is to hear everybody play, right? It's not kind of a lecture master class style where it's just the instructor talking. It's, it's a workshop. So everybody and all the attendees will also be playing. Yeah, and we'll, we'll be talking about all that. You can check out more information about the Spring Bass Workshops at thebayshedacademy.org. There's information all over the place on that website. So stop by thebayshedacademy.org to check that out. While you're there, um, we're also doing a group class. The Bay Shed Academy is also doing a group class, and that is going to be taught by Mike Viseglia. 
You might remember Mike Viseglia from episode 98 of the Base Shed podcast. And, and Mike and I have been kind of since that podcast in touch. And, you know, I threw him this idea. I'm like, yo, man, I'd really like you to be involved. And, and we came up. He came up with it, actually. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to take any credit for something I didn't do. This is something that, that Mike is passionate about, is conducting yourself as a professional, as a sideman within you know, the music business. Yeah, and doing that. He's, he's written a book about it. Uh, I know I did talk about it on the podcast. The book is called A, v- a View from the Side by Mike Viseglia. Uh, and it's interviews with, with all these bass players. So Will Lee, Marcus Miller, Lee Sklar, Tony Levin. Uh, forward by Sting on the book. So you can check that out. Definitely check that out. Uh, you can go to Amazon, check it out. I also have a link up at the BaseShedAcademy.org. Click on the little programs thing. Go down to group classes. There will be links to the Working Pro class by Mike Viseglia. And this is, we put together the course, and it's all stuff you won't normally learn. I don't even want to say normally learn in school. I can't imagine any school program teaching the real world aspects of uh, musicianship or being a musician, I guess is a better way of saying it. There are things about musicianship and playing and style and sound and gear, um, but it's also very much things that you kind of just pick up from doing the job over years and years. And this is the classes presented to, I don't want to say just younger students. (laughs) You know, the class is for everybody, first and foremost. And second of all, it's, if someone's already a working pro and just wants to check in a little bit, cool, cool, you can do that. Uh, if there are younger players out there who are really interested in pursuing this as a career and want to get into being a working professional bassist, um, the course that Mike will be teaching is everything everything that's you need to know. You know how to deal with finances, how to deal with mental health, how to deal with your personal life. Um, you know the kind of the work life balance. Again, how to audition, how to write charts. So there's some tangible, functional things. There's some more, I don't want to say esoteric, but maybe, you know, life lesson-y things along the way. It's a wonderful class. I'm very proud to have put this together with Mike, and I'm honored that he brought this to the table, and he's so passionate about it. And Mike is a um, Mike is just that. He is a working pro. Like <laughs> Mike, Mike has played ton of people bruce springsteen suzanne vega jackson brown bett midler phoebe snow uh mike is uh, you know he's been working on broadway a bit so he is he is that he's very very versatile bass player and he is definitely a working pro so we are there's a group class there's a group class titled working pro through the bass shed academy if you are interested again go to the bass shed academy.org and uh check out working pro with mike Baseglia. All right, as I mentioned, bassist Eric Shedd, right? Obviously, obviously, the last, the last name is intriguing to me. <laughs> Eric Shedd, what a killing name. What a killing name. Uh, Eric Shedd is on the episode, and Eric Eric plays bass with the group Birds of Play. Now, I wasn't hip to this group until this podcast, and this one of the things I absolutely love about doing the podcast is I do. I get to meet people that I would have not normal, normally have met one two i get to listen to them play 
and I get exposed to these new bands, you know, and get to get to check out some new music, which is always, always of interest to me. Speaking with Eric was was just that. It was all of those things. I met him for the first time here and got to check out his band for the first time. Uh, their management company hit me up and sent me a copy of their record, Murmurations Volume 2. I checked out the record. I, I really liked the record. I really liked the record. Like, listening through <clears throat> the first half of it, I'm like, shame on me for this. Shame on me for this. When I was listening to the record, I was just like, okay, I see where they're going. You know, I, I kind of have an idea where this is. Okay, I get it. I get it. I'm into it. I'm totally into it. This kind of mountain group, bluegrass-influenced Americana country thing. I'm totally into it. But I'm like, okay, okay, I see it. I get it. Right? I got it. No. Ryan, you're wrong, and shame on you. Then there hits a track that uh, gets into like this musical theater kind of vibe and then from that point on in the record it just takes a turn and each track was a very distinctly a different feel uh, wonderful wonderful record I did not see that coming when I was listening to the first couple tracks and uh, the back half of that album really really took me for a surprise and it was a wonderful pleasant surprise and so I highly recommend checking out the group Birds of Play uh, Eric and I will talk about that record. Eric and I talk about those surprise elements uh, that are on the record. We talk about the the DIY nature of things. You know, they, they are their management company it hit me up, and so the, then which is a new thing. You'll hear them talk about it, like having a manager management company. That's a new deal to them, but they've been slugging it out and just grinding it out on the DIY, the DIY tip. And man, it's always you know, every time I hear guests. And I hope this is the same for listeners of the podcast. Every time I hear guests talk about the DIY approach, I'm always kind of, you know, mentally taking notes. You know, <laughs> like that's that, that's I think so much of the nature of where we're at with all of it. Um, and so I love hearing about the DIY stories because um, it informs me about how to about how to tackle things myself. So, yeah, Eric will definitely speak to that. He will talk about how the band was formed. He will talk about how he got introduced to playing the bass. Um, the conversation definitely takes a, you know, a kind of a left turn <laughs> where I think towards the end of the episode, he becomes my therapist. That's, <laughs> that's what happened. <laughs> so, you know, thank you, Eric. Uh, checks in the mail, buddy. <laughs> uh, yeah, wonderful time talking with it. And here it is. Here's bassist. Eric Shedd and his band is Birds of Play. Oh, just the main thing. Like we leave on, we leave, we take off on tour tomorrow, and yeah, I was uh, checking that out. I was checking. You guys are you guys are pulling some dates. You're staying pretty busy for the next few weeks, and then the back yeah. half of March. Yep. Yeah. We're we're running in circles. So where are you where are you at right now? Are you in Utah right now? No, I'm in Ophir, Colorado, which is a little okay. town outside of Telluride. Um and How do you I spell that? Me, I'm gonna look it up. I was just doing another podcast with someone from Colorado, a small little mountain town, and I'm I'm fascinated Ophir by is spelled O P H I R. O P H I R. Yeah. Oh man, that looks like a super small town. Oh, it's very small. There's no businesses. There's nothing. What nothing is here? There? What 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 makes it a town then? 
Uh, <laughs> I mean, there's a there's a city hall and a post office. Okay. Okay. So. Yeah, you can. You yeah, can I mean, it used to be homes. like a little mining town, and it's essentially a bedroom community for Telluride. Okay. Okay. Um, how far is Telluride from there? About twenty minutes. That's not too bad. No, but it's also it's just it's just funny because this happened the last time when we were leaving for tour. It's just nuking snow. Really? Which is great. I went skiing this morning. Went back oh, in nice. this morning, and I'm gonna get to go tomorrow before, and hopefully my bandmate will get here to be able to leave from here. <laughs> <laughs> it's just just what we do, uh, and. But yeah, the other thing that happened is I was just, I was like, oh, sweet, I have to load the van in the like blowing snowstorm. But all right, whatever. Oof. And then I somehow locked my keys in the van. And so I spent the last like 25 minutes trying to break oh, into my van. Man. And I wasn't quite successful. I'm close. I like just need the right, the right poking device. Oh, then, man. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully all this bad juju gets out of the way before the tour starts. You know, it's just, it's just, it's just part of it. Yeah. You know, it's just, you got to take, you got to take good with the bad. It's like. I had such a great time skiing. It's like I can't. It's like the yin and the yang of like. Yeah, right, right. right. I live. I I got to go backcountry skiing out of my door this morning. Amazing. And, and it was awesome. And I skied fresh snow, and I must do it again tomorrow morning. But then I have to load the van in the snow. So it's like. Right, know, right, right. Better sweet. You don't get right. one without the other. <laughs> yeah, double-edged sword for sure. Um, cool. So you guys are touring. Are you guys specifically touring the record uh, Murmurs Volume Two? No, that not murmurations. Excuse me, murmurations. Yeah, murmurations. Uh, not specifically. That has been out for since last summer. So we're yeah, just yeah. touring to just tour. Yeah, to, to, yeah, because that's how musicians make money these days. That's it. Uh, one of the few ways, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a dark conversation. We can go there though. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. Yeah, we're, I mean, we're kind of conversation. but so it feels it feels all right. But yeah, it's a it's a weird world. Uh, actually, let, let's do let's talk about aspects of that. Which is now you guys aren't totally DIY because your management uh, hit me up. But that's also the first person that's like we just brought her on. Okay, we've been we are. It's pretty nice. DIY. Pretty DIY at this yeah. point. I mean, I got the, the pile of the PAs right here next to me, <laughs> and it's my van. Right. And it's and Alex, the, the the one of the other band members, he does all our booking right now. Um, and is, is, that's that's kind of the vibe. Like everybody in the group has like specific responsibilities. Yours is going to be kind of handling logistics for touring. His is going to be more an administrative uh, thing. We should probably define more roles more. Yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, Alex, like there's certain roles that like certain things like, like the booking Alex needs to, like you need to have one person doing that unless you're sure. like, Hey, can you check it? Can you call a couple friends in this spot? If I'm having trouble finding something here. Right. But, uh, other than that, it's pretty shared. We all are avoidant of social media and want to, should do it more, but man right isn't that's talk about a double-edged sword that's that's a major one with everything these days is the social media component because you kind of don't none of it exists unless it lives there but doing it is the worst part of all of it dude it's so it's such a pain in the butt and like i'll, yeah. I'll just like try to like 
and it's also there's little things like like everything needs to be posted on Facebook and Instagram. I'm like, come on, you're owned by the same company. Why is it when I yeah. tag everyone in one and right. cross post it? Why can't you guys figure that out? Right, right. Why can't you figure well, out? That? If you pay them, they will. Maybe, <laughs> you know? yeah. Maybe on the ads they will. Exactly. It is, yeah. And I like to, I do some of our tour poster design and. Okay. It's just a wild. It's a wild thing to think about, like realizing that. It was interesting for me to look at look at who you've interviewed, and I was like, mm-hmm. I was like, a lot of people who are like pretty heavy hitters, like really name recognition, which is very cool. And I'm like, feel like I'm much more in the like <laughs> happy upstart part of that. And it's just, but realizing, thinking about this as as we're you know as we're trying to grow, we've been a band for about four years now, yeah, and, and that how much of an aspect marketing is to it, that it doesn't yeah. matter how good of a product you have if no one knows about it. I, I completely agree with that. And I think almost, and I would kind of like to hear your thoughts on this from being in a band with other guys that do it. Like I have a record coming out, but that's just me pushing my own thing. But having a, a group as a band uh, where the music is created, you know, among the four of you and you guys are all shared responsibilities. How much does, I don't want to say the pro- product doesn't matter, but it seems to me that the product is almost secondary to just this online presence idea they're like the oh, product i'm not so. saying your product isn't great like i was checking out your record i think the record's great and i really want to dig into talking about that yeah. um but just talking about social media and having something that you're offering you know uh you're, you're trying to sell tickets to your gigs and you you know move some records it's like the product doesn't even matter sometimes like the oh, amount of people i think that will thing. convert to go listen to a record versus just give you some internet attention with a thumbs up or a, a heart it's drastically different it is wild i remember i read an interesting article or skimmed i would say probably more accurately an interesting article yeah. in the i think it was either new york or new york times but about about like tiktok and these yeah. these people in that and that there were some some people who were doing booking that were like we have to book on followers we have we can't we can't book just on talent as much like if I'd rather have somebody who has a million followers than someone who has 5,000 that's way better right because we like we're in the business of filling seats yeah I know it's so bizarre a friend of mine uh, is a jazz piano player and he was taking his trio up the coast and then one of the one of the clubs kind of vibed him out like you don't have enough followers like it has nothing to do with what you're doing musically or like what number album you have out or anything it's just strictly based on the follower thing yeah i mean which i, I mean maybe not I, I hope it's not just followers because hopefully it's based on like is he getting people in the door like that's really sure that's really all that matters is that's really what matters but they i think as a, as a promoter you're gonna be like i know if i know if someone has x number of followers yeah you're looking at that door. right i can i can yeah and more importantly are the number people of uh that are coming through the door are they buying? You know, are they buying a dinner? Are they buying drinks? Are they spending money? Like, what's the average ticket price? I think those right. are questions that are more interesting to a venue than uh, just followers. Like, are are your people showing up and engaging not only with the music but with the restaurant? Because that's how they make money. Oh yeah, if they're if yeah, like they the can have anybody play there. If people are showing up and buying drinks and food, then cool. Yeah. They don't care. They don't care at all. Yeah. yeah. Especially. I mean, I would awesome. I would hope that they care. I would hope. 
that somewhere within their thing, you know, someone loves a specific genre of music enough to really dedicate a club to that kind of sound and that community and that they would have a heart for that somewhere. But I don't really know. When it comes to just business, it really doesn't matter. If so if they're going to be like a hard a hard ass business guy. Yeah, which, you know, good Good for them, I guess. That's, I don't that's how trivia nights happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'll get people in the door, you'll sell drinks. Exactly. Hey, exactly. And you don't I have like to pay. The trivia night. I'm you okay. With to, you know, a friend of mine a friend of mine goes regularly and so I've gone to him I've gone to the trivia nights with him a couple times after the session. They're kind of fun. But some people get deep with the trivia. They get really into it. Like there's this one he goes to is actually on Tuesday nights. Uh there's this like resident squad there. That all has matching, uh, like sweatshirts and like merchandise with their trivia team name on it. Like it's deep. Like it. <laughs> this is a deep trivia hang. People want to belong to something. That's true. That's true. <laughs> that's that. That never fails, whether it's trivia yeah, or whatever or it is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was thinking about this. Like the other, the flip side of that is there's like a venue that in, a, in the town that I went to college to that. We played once, and our other band member, he's played there with his funk band, and it was just like, we're like kind of done with it, because they used to get great music. When I was in college, I saw Derek Trucks band there. Oh, dope. Really great shows. Really yeah. small room. Really cool to see. Probably like Lucky, one of the last few shows to see him before it was a huge. Yeah. Um, and, but now they don't, like, it's real easy to book. Because you send the guy an email, and he's like, "Oh, yep, sure, no problem. <laughs> yeah, right, 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 right. Hey, be there this time. You'll this bring me people split. who will spend money. Fantastic. Yeah, or just, but yeah. they just don't. It's like a door split. It's just like or a ticket, or I can't remember what they did, but it was. And but they just because they'll book anybody. There's not a reputation of like, oh, I'm gonna go see a show at the alley because it's right. Crazy. It's just like you've you've like cheapened, you've lowered the bar. That's yeah. like the other side of just the business of like, whatever, people are going to come or they don't. I don't care. Right. Right. Having any kind of uh, event space that I can't think of the word, but has a notoriety to it or it's a it's a, it's a brand where you know you're going to get excellence. You yeah, know, yeah. Like, just the reputation. Reputation. Yeah. That's the word. That's, uh, I've seen that diminish drastically in Los Angeles for the clubs that, you know, stick around. I mean, most of them don't last too long. Uh, but then even the, you know, the where they would set the bar has dropped and you, you're like mm-hmm. looking at the thing like really they're playing there all right <laughs> whatever whatever that's that's another side of the music business that's not uh like it's really dark how's it been doing the diy thing with the, the band's been together four years or five years four i think yeah i think four because the first record was 2019 right 2019 we recorded yeah. that before we'd ever even played a show that was oh wow yeah, kind, of a, was, kind of a smart move, actually. It was it was funny. I mean, it kind of that was uh, the the who was sort of the band. I don't know. He, he we're all members, but like yeah. Alex, he had won a grant to record a solo album. Sure. And so he called me and Jack to be like, "Hey, are, are you guys are like my my buds and my music buds, and I want you to guys play on this." And as, as we were rehearsing for it, and just to go record it, it was like, "Hey, what if we just make this a thing?" Yeah, yeah. recorded an album like we showed up at our first show ever and we had t-shirts and <laughs> there awesome. was an album <laughs> yeah <laughs> that that's why i think it's great it's like you guys then on your first show are already presenting yourself like yeah this is a legit 
we're doing it. Like, this is the thing. This isn't just like, hey, what are you doing on Wednesday? Come on out. Yeah. It's like, you know, there's a lot of dedication to it. I like it. I like it. Yeah. Um, but how's it been managing the DIY thing where the pandemic falls right in the middle of the whole uh, life of the band? We were, I think, the perfect size yeah. to, for the pandemic. Okay. And we're in Colorado, which is helpful mm-hmm. because we existed. Yeah. Like we weren't starting from scratch. We had enough of a like people sort of knew who we were just a little bit. Okay. But and we just there and we're we were just we worked a lot that summer, summer twenty twenty. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I'd be okay. interesting to look back. I think we did probably like forty shows. In the summer? Like, yeah. Damn. We're, okay. Like outdoor, there was a lot of outdoor seating things. Colorado yeah, yeah, yeah. just has an appetite for it and space. We right. did like a lot of outdoor seating things. Like there was this like little courtyard to be like, cool, we can seat twenty people. We'll do two seatings, charge thirty bucks a ticket. And people were hungry for live music. Yeah, that's that's definitely true. That's definitely we did some like pirate stuff, like out in the woods. Like, hey, we're gonna be at this campsite with a generator. There's plenty of space to spread out. Oh, sweet. Come on out, hang out, Venmo that's or cool. something. Yeah. I mean, it seems like Colorado, <clears throat> I never thought about it, but it seems like Colorado would be one of the best places probably in the country to have done that whole quarantine thing because it's so outdoors-based. Yeah, a lot you know? of it. Like, yeah, the, the part that has the reputation anyway. Right. West, yeah. Yeah, I mean, living in the city, like, you, it just sucked, you know? Like, oh, thankfully, okay. I'm up close to the ocean and I could do that, but other than that, like, if you're further in like more in the city like pfft, terrible Dude. yeah but but being in colorado that's just kind of a win in general to get out go go hiking just be outdoors because it seems like that's a part of the the culture there in general no pandemic like everybody's kind of an outdoorsy yeah i mean it was it was weird for a bit they were like ticketing cars that weren't like if you you yes recreate but recreate in your own county I don't know. Oh, really? Yeah, it was like, <laughs> don't like. It's a whole. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. But, was, so the, but the pandemic didn't. Uh, no, I the think band didn't kinda, take a huge knock because of the pandemic. No, we kind of held steady. We had to That's postpone amazing. some recording and stuff. But uh, yeah, it felt like we were just just holding steady. We did a live stream thing a little bit, which sucks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> No, that thing's always, I think I played, the first gig I played, like, September 2020, when things started opening back up, was, like, some big concert, but, like, a parking lot concert. And it was so awkward. Like, everybody's in their cars and, like, flashing their lights to cheer or, like, doing the horn, which was kind of annoying. Uh, But, yeah, it was was just (laughs) terrible. It felt good to play and kind of be back into it in some sense, but not... Having that like removal from the crowd uh, was terrible. Yeah, it's different. It was like it was like nice to see the familiar faces. You know, we do a live stream and twenty five people tune in, and I right. was I was a roommate with with one with my bandmate Alex at the time too. So was, okay, so that was easy in terms of just the two of us would do these live streams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So you're originally from Idaho, is that correct? Yeah. Cool. What city in Idaho? Lewiston. Where is it? Lewiston, so if, if Lewiston. Idaho. Okay. Yeah. Idaho here, it's like right where it goes from being squiggly to being straight. <laughs> okay. The, <laughs> the western, I even got an Idaho sticker right here. It's right there. Okay. 
So okay. it's right the, the Snake River is the border right here, and it flows. The Snake River flows in. No, I guess it's right there. The Snake yeah. River flows into Washington. Okay. Right there. And so for the audio there. listeners, you're about halfway up on the western oh, yeah. border. It's true. Yeah. All right. Yeah. It's the um, little, I don't know. And then was was Colorado the next move right from Idaho? No, I've lived a bunch of different places. I yeah. moved from Idaho, and then I went to college there. And then I moved from there. I moved to Salt Lake City, lived there for a couple of years. Then I was like back in Idaho and then ski patrolling in Washington. And then I lived in Bend, Oregon. And then I lived in Durango. And then I lived in Missoula. And then I lived in Idaho. Probably okay. But you, you've been kind of hovering around the Northwest. The Northwest. Like cool little what, What's that called? Like I'm from Phoenix. And so the Southwest obviously is Phoenix, New Mexico, you know, I don't really think of Colorado as the Southwest, but it's right there, just north of right Arizona. There, yeah, Durango is kind of like, eh, <laughs> Southwest. Yeah. So yeah. I don't really know, like, you know, how to refer to Utah and Colorado. It's, it's kind of, yeah, just I mountains. Think it, I think it's called the Intermountain West. Is the, really? Yeah. Okay, Intermountain. Like Idaho, Montana. Because I'm like, Idaho's not quite the Northwest. Like, really, the Northwest would be like, Washington, Oregon. Right, right, right. Idaho, Montana, you're starting to, and Idaho and Oregon, Wyoming, you're in the Intermountain West. You're like in that Rocky Mountain belt. Okay. But you've been you've been hovering around there. You've been hovering around the mountains yeah. for quite a while. Yeah, yeah. It's like I mean, I was music as a career, like even though I studied in school, music as a career didn't didn't come till recently, like this past like five years. When you were going to school for it, what was the what was the end game? Like, what are you going to school for music? Track. Did you want to? Okay, you wanted to teach. Yeah, and then there was one specifically one day in education three hundred one class that I was like, "Huh, I don't think I actually want to do that." <laughs> when, a, when you had to, when you had to do like bassoon methods, was no, it one of those? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is also was really hard, but that was just comically hard. It's like squishes your brain. There's so much back pressure in that instrument. Oh man, I, I hated, I hated when kids got to bassoon in the methods class and they were all in the practice rooms. Like that was the worst. It just sounded like people were hitting ducks with a rubber hose. Yeah, and I think I tried to cram because that's how I do. Method, yeah, <laughs> final one, like showed up the day, showed up the next morning. I was like, "All right, I got these things." Later, like figured out all my little whatever. And yeah, I showed up the next morning. My my embouchure, like my couldn't fucking. I couldn't, right, right, right. You blew out your chops. Blew out my chops completely. It was like, yeah, <laughs> yesterday. What was it? What was it that happened in three hundred one? That that was, was just like it was, the, that wasn't even know. a music ed class. That was just like a general ed class, and it was. It was him talking about dealing with unsupportive uh, administrators and parents. Oh, yeah. And I was like, oh. And I was already also kind of like, yeah, I'd like, I love teaching. I love music. I don't know if I want to be like an elementary school music teacher. That is a labor of love. Yeah. Yeah. You have to like love kids because I, yeah. I, I have some friends that have done it. The feedback I've heard is it's like 90% babysitting and 10% paperwork like it's not even really music it could be anything right you know? yeah so, so I feel like you would have to love engaging with children uh, that way I don't have that thing God yeah, bless the I, folks that I do. do like on a like one-on-one -on -one basis I think I like I sure. enjoy kids in like small in like individual basis I think they're really yeah, cool yeah, yeah. little humans they but are I, 
trying to run, yeah. a, run a classroom of them sounds. No, and then I like every hour I don't want a new batch of them. <laughs> I have to try to wrangle, you know, for five days a week. Um, oh. Yeah, so that that makes sense uh, that you kind of dipped out. But then you got to That's- base relatively late, right? You got to base around the time that you started playing with birds uh, of play. Not sort of. I like actually when I first got picked up guitar when I was like 15. Mm-hmm. My parents reminded me of this when I bought the upright bass. They were like, oh, yeah, you always wanted to be a bass player. Oh, really? It's like, oh yeah. So I did. I bought, I bought, a, I bought, a, I bought like a classical guitar, and then I had a bass. I had an electric bass for a while, and played and played bass through college sometimes, even though okay. I wasn't studying it. I was playing. I played it in like the basketball band and played. And, and, oh, through through the college. Well, yeah, the basketball band through the college, yeah. and then I, and then I played in. So I, I didn't have a bass for that. I was borrowing one a lot. Um, yeah, yeah. And I haven't had a bass for years, but I've always. I think I did initially approach music from the angle of wanting to play bass. Okay. I kind of, for, I'd forgotten that till my parents reminded me when I bought the upright, I was, yeah. I was out and I'd been wanting one on and off for years. I'm like, pick, pick them up and I'd be like, Oh yeah, I can, I, yeah, I understand. I like, I know where the notes are. This makes sense. I have a good ear. Sure. So that's, that's a huge thing for upright. Yeah, that's, that's great. Uh, and, and I think I actually had a, a gig with this woman I was seeing that she was, she played bass too, but she also played banjo and she like, she's like, no, you should play bass on this. And I was like, all right. And I like, we played in like this little bar in Crested Butte and I just like playing along, playing bluegrass bass on tunes. I was like, oh, oh, I should buy one of these. I can. (laughs) (laughs) And when I I, I bought my bass, I was living in a sliding camper in my truck. I was like doing wilderness therapy guiding. So there was room on my bed for my bass me (laughs) (laughs) and then did you did you get into formal instruction or were you just learning from records and kind of figuring it out i had i've had i had two lessons okay maybe like a couple other like little hangs with some people that have shown me some tips there um yeah with this guy oh no i can't remember his name anyway my buddy calls him bass yoda he was living up in wyoming but he's like really 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 solid okay like Oh, God, I wish I Is he coming from like a classical background? He's coming or? from like a classical and jazz background. Okay. And and like, yeah, very, very highly trained and just like gave me some really solid foundations. And then I just watched Great. a lot of videos and yeah, played, like played along with a lot of Wood Brothers. I was like, this is okay. Man, what I love about um, – I don't want to misrepresent your music. How would let, – let's, let's hit pause about what I love about this. <laughs> Uh, how would you qualify your music? Because there's like a couple terms. Hear. I would love to hear. <laughs> okay, yeah, you, yeah, you want to looking. shoot from the hip? We call <laughs> it like, yeah, we, it's like Americana bluesgrass is what we call it sometimes just to kind of like give people something to like, okay, like it's a That's the thing, thing for genres, right? You need something. Um, it is. There's there's definitely a strong, it's informed heavily, I, I feel like, by bluegrass. Um there's, I mean, there's tunes on the record. What tune was it? Uh, track three, I'll Be Good. They're just That's just old country to me. It's not even bluegrass. That's just old country. Yeah, I, I wrote that tune a long time ago, and I think I was listening to a bunch of Dwight Yoakam. I was like, oh, okay. right. <laughs> yeah, I love, I love old country. Uh, but then there's, you know, at least on, on the record, Murmurations, it, it goes a bunch of different places. So you can't say it's just a bluegrass record or no. necessarily just an Americana record. Uh, there's a track where you're, you're playing with the bow, 
the later on on the album it's kind of kind of like a, a pop rock feel to it so it, it goes a lot of places that's not just married to a bluegrass tradition you know i think it's very much representative of people that live in mountains yeah we somebody called us the quintessential colorado band and so <laughs> okay okay I was like, all right sure i'll take it yeah but uh yeah man it's it's just i think we just try to write songs play songs we like it's try and trying to avoid putting ourselves in any sort of genre pigeonhole mm-hmm. yeah. and then like this next album Annika, who's our violin player she we've got a song on there that's kind of more she's like really like phoebe bridgers and stuff so it's okay we're still using all the same instrumentation yeah but it's it's kind of got that that sort of indie pop vibe to it sick i what i was going to say is the music that is within those genres right within bluegrass within country uh what i love about those is they're not they're not so academic and i love that they're not academic um that it's really you can you can learn it by the way i think that's so important to learn is by listening mm-hmm. like you you get it you know you listen to enough of it you're like okay here's everybody's working together to kind of create this one rhythm section among four different people yeah. and like great here's my role within that and it's it's almost folkloric i mean it is always considered folk music but it's folkloric in the sense that it's passed down through just this kind of aural communication of it instead totally. of any kind of manuscripts or repertoire there's, there's repertoire to it there's but, definitely but, repertoire as yeah. far as bluegrass and i don't i mean i like people who are like really into bluegrass probably don't i don't know they they might like us all right but like we're we're not a bluegrass band and people who are like mm-hmm. really grass heads would be like oh they're not a bluegrass band like Right, right. I'm not trying to be a bluegrass band. What, is that is that because you don't mess with some of those up tempos, or just not? Because I mean, some of the bluegrass stuff, they get into some tempos that's like, yeah, that's bluegrass. Yeah, and I think we're just we don't have a banjo, which mm-hmm. can definitely color the bluegrass. Like that's true. Yeah. Um, and we're just. I think none of us have really actually like we're all casual bluegrass musicians as okay. far as like you think about that the you know it's not academic but at the same time like people that are really into it are like this is bluegrass and this is how it goes right. and it can't have this and it has to have this and this is what it is there's always the snobs there's, there's always, always the snobs. snobs yeah and and uh and we're not those we're not those yeah. things and if you go listen to like like we snuck our way we you know we we wrote some bluegrassy ish songs and we're okay. in, we were at a bluegrass band competition this year, last year, and got second, and that was fun. Nice. nice. Where are those uh, competitions held there in Colorado? The Telluride one is is in Telluride. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Those are those are things that don't exist in Los Angeles. <laughs> it's a bluegrass competition. <laughs> no. Yeah, I mean it's it's a fairly prestigious. It's a it can be it can be a good a, a real big career bump for people if they if you win. It's like the winning nice. is significantly more than second, but it was it was really cool. Sure, fun thing to do. I'm fascinated by it because because that whole kind of bluegrass folk Americana mountain music world doesn't live in Los Angeles because of obviously geography. You know, like we <laughs> that music doesn't come here because 
those influences aren't here. Which is funny because like there's like like New York has a solid bluegrass scene. Like I, a I've lot heard of, I've heard that from a guy that was just on the podcast. Yeah, yeah, I was listening to that when Nate Savage. Oh, okay, he's, yeah, he's, yeah, he's great. And then like I know that there's some bigger cities that definitely have bluegrass scenes. I know that San Francisco has a bluegrass scene. So it's that like, kind of makes sense to me though with their whole jam band culture. Yeah, and so it's interesting that LA doesn't like that. There's not even like a little sub. There's probably a pocket, and it might not just. There's but, probably a pocket, and I just don't know about it. Let's, yeah, you know, let's definitely, uh, you know, <laughs> introduce my lack of knowledge into this well, whole equation. But I, but I also think there might be something about LA that's just different than in that sense than. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's a feel good town. That's all it is. It's a, it's, it's, you got the sun. It's, you know, what, 74 degrees all year round. There's the ocean 20 minutes away. There's the mountains. Then you can, you can get into everything, you know, within a half hour. And it's, it's a luxury city and it's indulgent and feel good. So it's all, so nice. all the R&B and the high production, all that stuff comes here. Also, you don't, because you don't have to load up for tour in, in, no, you have to load up for any gig. Which in normal, very pleasant weather, but then sit on a freeway for hours <laughs> in traffic. That's the, that's the downside here. We'll be back right after this. All right, what's up, folks? A new thing I'm doing. A new thing I'm doing is offering up the middle of the show to you. I want this to be a podcast that builds a community, and I want it to be a podcast where you can not only hear, but be heard. So, how this works, go to thebayshed.com backslash podcast, click on the button that says give me a shout out, have all the information there, uh, email me with whatever you want me to talk about, I'll run an ad for you. Whatever it is, you got a new record coming out, let me know about it. You got some dates you want to plug? Cool. Let me know about it. Instagram handles, YouTube handles, Spotify, whatever it is, whatever you got going on. You want me to give you a shout out? Absolutely. I'd love to. I not only want to give you a shout out, but I want to go check it out myself. I want to know what you guys are up to. And I want the community to know what you're up to. So go to thebayshed.com backslash podcast. Get a shout out. All information will also be included included in the monthly newsletter that goes out. And um, the first... I'm honored. I'm honored that the first the first uh, supporter of this is my dear friend Steve Milhouse. Steve Milhouse has a new record out called The Unwinding. Uh, he was recently on the podcast on episode 104. Uh, I've known Steve for years. Um, he's meant a lot to me as a bass player and as a friend. Uh, he's got a new record out that is on Spotify called The Unwinding, as I mentioned. He has another record that is coming out very soon. Uh, he recorded it not that long ago. That is another trio project he has titled The Cinema Trio, which I think is very, very cool. Steve also recently talked to the folks over at Four Bass Players Only. Stop by Four Bass Players Only. You can stop by stevemilhouse.com. That's where you'll find information about both of his trios. Uh, Steve has a really cool concept going on with this six-string bass. And if you've listened to episode 104, you know a little bit about that. If you have not checked out episode 104, uh, check out episode 104 of the Bass Shed Podcast and hear from Steve Milhouse. And definitely stop by stevemilhouse.com. Another wonderful bass player you all should check out is Mr. Christopher Daman. 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 <laughs> uh, that is spelled D-A-M-M-A-N-N. -N. 
Christopher has a couple records out. You can go to ChristopherDeman.com. You can also check him out on Bandcamp. His last record was titled Restroy. Uh, and he also has some dates coming up. Uh, May 22nd, he's playing at Elastic Arts with his trio. I don't think actually that's his trio. That's just a trio. June 28th is his quintet. This one's his quintet. This is kind of the big one. This is the important one. If you're in the Chicago area, stop by Constellation on June, June 28th. That is the Christopher Damon Daman. <laughs> Quintet July 26th He'll be at the California Clipper And August 6th He will be at the Hungry Brain For all details Stop by Christopher D-A-M-M-A-N-N Dot com To check out more Alright folks If you want a shout out Hit me up Go to thebayshed.com Backslash podcast Click on give me a shout out And I would love To hear what you're up to And check out the links Excellent sir so getting back to this record, Memorations Volume 2, it is eight tunes. How, how would you describe this as a difference from Memorations Volume 1, which is the album that preceded this? I have to actually, honestly, to be <laughs> yeah. honest, I need to like look and remember which songs are on that. Because part of, part of why we split it up is that... Were they all recorded were, in one session? They were all recorded in one session. And it, oh, was, got you. it was also to be a double vinyl. Mm-hmm. So um, that is so funny that I'm like looking up my own album on Spotify. No, I think it's what hilarious. songs are on that one? <laughs> and it was, and it was also so part of part of the splitting up of tunes was fitting things on sides of the vinyl, right? right. So to think about that, and so um, Memorations Volume One has the has that like three song suite of the Fate of Saints mm-hmm. that that those wanted to be together on one side and so like oh once you had that chunk that needed to be together that it kind dictated of some other because yeah other this, things, we yeah. went and recorded these and like we had like I said we we had to postpone recording from we already were ready to record a lot of this stuff like a year prior no oh, wow. pandemic and then it just like had to put it off and put it off and put it off. So by the time we were in the studio, we're like, let's get as many things recorded as we can. And, yeah, yeah. And release it as like two things and keep the keep the pipeline moving. Did you record anything else that's yet to be released? We just got out of the studio, actually. Okay. Uh, a couple weeks ago. Um, and yeah. Uh, is this volume three or is this another kind of concept? I don't have a title for this one. No, I, think, I don't think it's going to be Murmurations volume three. I don't... Yeah, we don't have a title for this one yet. Um, okay. We just, it was just getting, we should come up with that. We're just, we'll talk about it in the next couple of weeks. We should come up with a title. I'm sure, I'm sure yeah. Andrew would like to have that. Sure. Yeah, that would help things. Yeah. But I mean, we're not even, like, I just finished overdubs for that. And so we're going to, it's like still needs to get maxed, maxed and mastered. Yeah, man, that's such a process. Um, is there any kind of sonically, or mood shifts in in this upcoming record. What we went for for this one. So the other ones were, I don't. They're. I think they sound really good, and yeah. I think that we also were. They're all click track, and they're they were like recorded with a scratch vocal, and then the vocals recorded separately, and just kind of that sure. standard like building it thing. 
Yeah, multi-track and, kind of contemporary yeah, were, production. Like full band takes and most, but mostly mostly separation so that you could isolate tracks and overdub stuff. Uh, but we just were like, this isn't capturing our live energy very well. I was mm. like, I think it sounds good. I, I love our, I love the album and and so we were going for more full band take singing at the same time just let's just do some let's just run them down a few times and yeah and make it happen on this one and all be in the same room still like separated enough that you can do a little you're you know not totally screwing our mix mix guy over yeah yeah um now doing it that way it seems that you have to live because it's a raw recording and it's just like this is what happened on that take okay cool Let's let's maybe do another take. You do it, okay? Well, this part got fixed, but now that part's not as good as the take before. You always have to live with an element of, well, it's raw. Yeah, yeah. You know, well, one, we found that we were playing him consistently enough that we could actually still do some slicing. Okay. Still, okay. Still That's great. With, yeah, yeah. So okay. we were like, oh, let's like, can is that work? Does that work? And we like kind of he, he our engineer's really solid, and he was. Okay. together and be like oh okay cool yeah we can take that that a part and that b part and that c part and it's okay working. so you could still kind of comp we could comp everybody we could comp. okay yeah yeah full but full band comps just full yeah yeah and we did a you know overdub some things and overdub some harmonies and this and that but yeah and i the thing that i i'm realizing i have a perfectionist mind yeah and uh having to come to peace with going in the studio and just realizing like, this is just a snapshot of where a band is at that time. Isn't that such a hard thing to like release to and just, Oh my that's God. That's so hard. I when I, when I was doing, uh, this a couple weeks ago, maybe even longer. I can't remember, but an engineer, while I was working on my record, he's, he turns around. He's like, man, I think it was George Martin who, you know, produced the Beatles. And this guy's a big Beatles head. He's like, George Martin said, records aren't finished, they're just abandoned. Like, you just have to give up at some point. And, quit, <laughs> and just quit overworking it and, like, obsessing about some little detail and, like, the sleepless nights because you think you have a better take in you. You know, he's like, you just got to walk away from it and just, it's done because you said it's done and that's it. Otherwise, yeah. you'll never release it. Who? Yeah, totally. Just- I, th- I haven't looked up to see if that's actually a George Martin co- quote, but... Regardless, I, I like it. I don't yeah, care I who like said it. it. Whoever yeah. said it. It doesn't matter. Yeah, maybe better. he just made it up and put George Martin on it so I'd hurry up in the studio. I don't know. <laughs> 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 who knows what a, happened there? They're just abandoned. Like here. Yeah. I don't know, totally. It's just like actually I think it might have been it might have been that podcast of yours with Nate where he said something like he has like he's like, I've just got another project. He's like I need to finish this project so that I can get to my next project. I'm sure. like excited for the next thing. And so like, that's yeah. also part of just like, well, this has to be done because I need to go. I got, yeah, I got to move on from it. I just got to, I, I have to be done because there's something else, you know, yeah. coming up. Yeah. Coming up. Yeah. how did you feel that the energy was captured? Did you feel like it's I, a good I'm, representation? I'm really excited about it. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Very cool. Um, is there any kind of, after you name it, of course, a projected release. <laughs> uh, June, I think. Okay, that's not too far. No, not super, not super far. Yeah, it was also a lot of it trying to figure out, trying to trying to find the venue that will do an album release show. Uh, that's right. Kind of the. 
Do you guys no. perform at Telluride a lot since it's so close? And are the other band guys live where you're at? No, one. Um, we're all three of us are pretty close to here. Alex, Alex is in Durango, which is a couple hours away. Annika is in Rico, which is about a half hour away. Okay. But Jack lives in Jackson, Wyoming, which oh, is wow. ten hours away. Damn. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> which is why we tour. It's like why we have to do these big tour chunks. Like little right. you know, weekend weekend rips don't really one off one off shows aren't really <clears throat> really work yeah. for us. Yeah, that explains it because uh, on the calendar it seems like you guys are out for maybe like two two and a half weeks. Then there's like a significant break for around the same time, and then you go back out. For another yeah, we're kind of two on weeks the, like, or like they're let, they're just these big drops of like gigs, no gigs, gigs, no gigs. Yeah, yeah, and with like no days in between, it's they're boom, night after night. You guys yeah, are hitting it pretty much. Yeah, like we we've done some like I think we did like an eight or nine night in a row once, and it was just like Oof. I don't like this. this is not- <laughs> <laughs> at what at what night did you burn out? I didn't. Feel, I actually. I think all of us do a really good job of bringing the energy every night. Okay. Like it, just, it just starts to feel like, oh, man. Yeah, you're just but, in a daze. You're like, what city am I in? Okay. Where fine. am I going? Yeah, what's yeah. happening? I just would like to sleep yeah. in and just hang out one of these days. Right. Um, it's funny. I came I came into – I was doing river gu- – I've done a lot of whitewater river guiding before, like multi-day okay. river trips. Okay. And I didn't realize how – How many days? How, what's that? How many days? How many days <laughs> excuse Six. me. How many days would those be? Uh, five to oh wow, 18, like do a Grand oh, Canyon trip 18? Out for like 18 days. Damn, yeah. okay. And I, I didn't realize how similar in ways <laughs> the being a musician, like during musician, was going to be. I was like, oh, we right. do think we like pack up all the stuff, get in a vehicle, move to another location, unpack the stuff, put on yeah. the show, and that's like what you do every day on a river trip is you like you wake up in the morning and you like know what you need to do and you. You like pack up the kitchen, pack up all the stuff, put it in the boats, go downstream, yeah. land, set it all up, set up yeah. the same thing you did last night, cook a different meal, but it's like kind of the same, and you're just yeah. How do you, how do you personally um, address keeping the music fresh every night when you, even though you're going through the same batch of actions, you know, yeah, get, get get in the van, get in the bus, load the crap, great, next one, cool, get something to eat, sound check. Couple hours downtime, do the hit, repeat. How how are you personally keep the energy up in the music and keep inspired as a bass player? I look out at the audience. Okay. Because it's there. It's not the. They didn't hear these songs last night. Right. Yeah. That's it. You're that's, right. Yeah. That's it. It's just and like and even just like, I love my bandmates. That is also huge. I feel so grateful. It is, yeah. To be in a band that's not like it wasn't assembled it was just like this is organically these are like people i love and want to play music with and we, right we get they along. were in your life before the band existed uh not annika but she okay. kind of came into the band and joined the band but she's awesome like just fell right into fell right into the the vibe and cool gosh we just get along so well and like that makes that keeps it fresh and we laugh yeah, yeah, a yeah. Lot. okay cool I mean, that's that's one of the most, I think, important things in a band band is the the camaraderie of it all, which comes through in the music and will come through in a show and all those things. It's 
and ultimately, hopefully, keep the group together. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, we you, had somebody. You don't know. just aren't just pissed off at somebody, and you're all hired guns, and you're like, whatever. This gig doesn't pay enough. You know, fly me home. <laughs> yeah, totally. There's. I mean, we had one show. Uh, this was it. I think it was some bar up in, up in uh, Whitefish, Montana. But uh, they, these these couple of women came up to us after the show, and they were like, "You guys are having so much fun together. Like, it's like you don't even care we're out here." And all, <laughs> like, in, in a complimentary way, like they're like that carries out to us too. Like, sure, it's so much fun for us to watch you all enjoying being with with each other. Right, and it brings age. them into it. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. That's great. You know, most of your, most of the tour dates are in kind of mountain country. Yeah, we we're kind of we're we're in an interesting spot of like trying to figure out where, how to expand and like mm-hmm. do it in a sustainable way. Um, sure. None of us are like none of us. We're not all like twenty one and like just sweet. Let's just like get in the van. And yeah. We'll eat, <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> we'll eat garbage and sleep wherever. We'll eat lunchables and sleep in the back of a. Parked yeah. cars somewhere. Yeah, right. we're we don't you know we don't we don't really do hotels. We have friends everywhere we go, and we're staying with. Oh, that's cool. A lot. But, uh, yeah, and trying to figure out like we just we had we had we're trying to put together a California tour this spring, and kind of we're just like you know, it's not. I don't think it's worth it right now. I don't think that we have enough draw. We don't have enough recognition, enough followers. <laughs> Tired to. Uh, able, but it seems again to be able to again, book again, like. Yeah, it, that again. That almost seems like a double-edged sword because it's how do you how do you get the followers without doing the gigs, right? Yeah, I mean, unless you really want to be super active and have social media targeted at certain people and which you yeah. want release to promoters on the West Coast or however you know you guys are doing that. I don't know how I don't know how to do it. Do you have it? Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. We're, we're shooting from the hip a lot in this. Yeah, it's a tricky thing. Like, and we're also because of like pandemic and then some other things like we had been going to, to just a little bit of stuff, like just, just barely touched Seattle and Portland and that. And now it's like, they feel like new markets again. We're not, mm-hmm. we're not, um, we haven't been back there in a couple of years. Okay. Okay. So, um, yeah. Trying to figure out even, even how to like bump out a little bit from the, from the loops that we're, we have been doing. I think the good thing about being uh, rooted, you know, the the bluegrass, Americana, folk, mountain, whatever genre term, those people who are super into that will follow. You know what I mean? It's it's so much different than just like, here's another, you know, Johnny Q singer-songwriter. Like being a part of a, a very specific community, I think, could help a lot. You totally. know, maybe maybe you've witnessed that with uh, getting on tours with other guys or the followers of this band will then become fans. Yeah, your totally. guys is. and I feel like we're just starting to crack into that realm, too, of like opening for people and and getting into some some uh, festival stuff. And like, OK, yeah. Are most of those festivals uh, out out your way in Colorado, Wyoming, Montana. There's quite a few out this way. I mean, there's there's a solid chunk like, kind of in the in the, the middle of the country, the t- the t- Tennessee okay. and the like that. Yeah, that that zone in there. There's definitely some stuff out there, but would they, would those would those people vibe you out because you're not bluegrass enough? Like if you went into 
Not not from what not from the the bands that I'm seeing. Okay, playing those festivals. Mm-hmm. Like I think we fit. I think we fit right in with the bands that are playing those festivals. I think maybe going back. I mean, I could I could probably reference some groups that I used to listen to that were based out of uh, Nashville in the '80s, uh, but even more popularized that had this bluegrass thing, but definitely were also had a pop element to it. Also that introduces this crossover language within the music that it seems would be accepting yeah, to uh, so. a bigger audience. And so you, you're you not going to get all the snobs giving you, giving you a hard time. Uh, snobs want to be snobs. That's their business. <laughs> snobs love being snobs. snobs That's why they're snobs. snobs. <laughs> they're snobby about being snobs. Like yeah. they love that shit. I, yeah. yeah. I just, I, my, where it feels like we are right now is like when people see us, they really like us. Yeah, and we just try to gotta figure out how to get in front of more people. That's mm-hmm. like the game. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I, it seems like everybody's that's everybody's, everybody's game. Yeah, that's the game. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to writing for the albums, is that a, is that a very? Uh, are you guys all have equal input on that, or is there someone who kind of spearheads it and brings something to the table and has a vision for a tune? So everybody, everybody in the band writes, mm-hmm. and. Um, and what the what mm, I think we, we have a pretty organic way of arranging as the band. Okay. So usually we've never really had a co write. That just yeah. hasn't um, it's I we we've played around with it and it just hasn't yeah. worked out quite yet to like figure out like, oh how this is how how usually someone will like here, here's this chunk of a song. Here's this, yeah, yeah. Here's this song. If here's a bridge and a chorus, I'm like, okay, that's that's great. And like, let's, what if we put this, this here and this hair and then chop it up and add this little part here. Okay. Songs feel like such funny, uh, like, especially people writing their own songs. Like that's like a hundred percent theirs. Hmm. It's like their little kid. And and like, you gotta, it's like, you have to catch them early before they get, get, before they get too like settled. Right? Right, right, right. You play a song yeah. a certain way for a chunk of years, and then someone's like, "Yeah, man, I don't like that bridge. Like, what if we change these words? And what if we do this? Like, that's harder to do than if it's like, hey, I wrote this song like two weeks ago.' Sure. Um, let's let's yeah, like yeah, and just hearing it a different way. I mean, you know, demoitis. After you've heard one tune a certain way, you just kind of adopt that that's correct. Yeah. You know, even if it's not correct, and there's still things that need to be addressed it's just like i've it's so saturated to hear it this one way rehearing uh-huh. it it's a total mind thing like it, it throws you way off it's like you can't even hear it the same uh it's not it's not the tune it doesn't have the same identity it's yeah there's something really weird with it and after it's you've tricky. listened it, it, for so long it also is a really unique skill set which i work on and i like i don't not saying I'm great at it, but it's like, I just, man, to try to take a tune that exists mm-hmm. and then rethink it. Like that is a, that's a really unique skill set to be able to take that. That's always a fun challenge, isn't it? And to be like, okay, let's not get, how can we like really not be rigid about this? Mm-hmm. And like what, just because you wrote it on this instrument and singing it this way, like that doesn't mean that that's how it has to be. Like what right. if we did this? What if we did this? What if we like, totally blew up the instrumentation and played it with played it yeah 
Yeah. And just and then and you're speaking about within the constructs of the band. Yeah. Or just in general taking any general, tune and just trying like, to reimagine within it. the band as well, like to just like to to really try to not be rigid about like, well, I wrote it in this tuning and I like this. It's like, okay, well it's like let's like really Yeah really like chop it down to a chord chart and maybe not even that be that attached to the chords. So let's talk about a chord chart and lyrics. Right. We don't even have to be that attached to either of those pieces either. Yeah. 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 If everything's a variable, then, uh, I mean, then you have a lot of input on where you want to take it. I think based on where the tune tells you, like the tune, the tune has a voice and will tell you where it wants to go most right. times. Yeah. And like to not fight it too, if it's trying to take you certain right. direction. Like, yeah, yeah, you can't, you can't, uh, right, you can't find it or like think like, no, I want to interject this thing because I think it's hip, you know, yeah. it's like it's not the tune, yeah, but this thing's hip, but it's not the tune, but this is hip, and then there's just like <laughs> war going on between you and the tune. I just learned about this cool chord substitution, I really want to try it, yeah, yeah, cool. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and this, the tune's saying no, <laughs> and you have to, you have to trust that, and I think respect the tune, like, yeah, it wants to go there, regardless of. Uh, you know, maybe it's ego. I don't know what that thing would be. Probably ego. It's probably ego if it's your song. It's, it's, yeah, it's... yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> or or ego if it's your idea. <laughs> I guess yeah. somebody else's song. Yeah, yeah, totally. To try to just like let's play all the ideas. Let's like let's really let's try it out. Let's let's run it a couple times with that. Yeah, that and like see what it thinks. I'm like, oh no, I didn't like that actually. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. this thing. What if we do it this way? And we'll play it a couple times. Like. No. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you sing in the band? I do. Like, well, I'll be, I'll be good song, the one that you talked about. That's me singing that song. Okay. That's my okay. song. Okay. Because I mean, obviously, just from listening, uh, you can hear two very different people singing lead. There's three actually. Okay. On that on that album. I did hear three voices. Uh, I don't think I defined three. What What's the other tune? Uh. As she sees it, is that one? Yeah. Who wrote that? Alex wrote that one. <laughs> that one, just right out of the gate, felt like musical theater. Totally. It's very silly. I, I loved it. I loved it. And that was like one of the, it was a major departure from all the other things sonically uh, and like just feel wise from the record. Uh, that one was really cool. And I was, I was kind of happy that there was a deviation that strong within the record. I'm like, cool. I wasn't getting burnt out. By listening, but I'm like, okay, cool. There's, there's more information that they're that they're bringing to me. Yeah, cool, man. I'm glad you did. I'm glad you dig it. It's yeah. Alex wrote that one, but then like, like this this one actually is that album. Other than Annika, didn't have anything on there. What on that one? There's two songs by Alex, two songs by me, or two songs by Jack, and two songs by me, and six songs by Alex. So Alex is definitely the most prolific of us. What other what other song on uh, Murmurations Volume Two was yours besides "I'll Be"? Turn good? it to gold. Okay. Which it's I mean I, I dig that too, but man I really want to hear that tune as like horns like that's that's what I'm here like when I like. It's got it's got a walking line yeah it's yeah it's that's another like, one that comes from a different place. Mm-hmm. Uh, it breaks up like the front part of the record. You're like you're playing a lot of two beat, you know, and then and then it starts to really take a turn uh, around track six, and it gets into like all these different feels really quick towards the end of the record. Uh, I like that one. I like that one a lot. 
And then the, the track just before that is the one, uh, it's got kind of a backbeat to it, like a pop rock backbeat. Yeah. Which is, again, with... really cool. Yeah. yeah. And that's a Jack, that, that one, Jack wrote that one too. So he has, their, okay. he wrote that one. He wrote that first one, Tata. What were some uh, pivotal albums for you when, when learning this style after only, you know, two, two bass lessons, <laughs> uh, but, but knowing music, knowing, understanding knowing harmony, music, yeah, understanding technique. Yeah, having ear, having done all the academia stuff, but now coming to it from this, uh, you know, street skill set. What were some What were some records that were Dude, fascinating to you? Wood Brothers. Okay. Like, like honestly, like really, where I got my chops playing upright was like, okay, learn, teach me some hand position stuff, and like understand that. And, sure. Or Steve Steve Swan Bass Shop. I don't know if you know that place. That's where I bought my. No, I didn't buy that. No. Anyway, it's in, it's in Colorado. It's in San Francisco. Okay. But but I ended up hanging out in there for like two hours the day that I bought my bass. I didn't buy it from him, but I showed up on Craigslist. But he, I guess I, I would call that a bass lesson too. That guy is. A okay. Bass. Steve Swan? Steve Swan Bass Shop. If you're ever up, it's really close to the airport up there. Cool. Uh, the one in like, what is that, San Mateo or something on the south side of, or San Francisco airport? Because I, I always forget him. I always like play this, it's some kind of concert I series. San I think San Francisco airport, but I'm, I'm not okay. sure. I don't really know if there's more than one. I just know the airport I fly into a lot. Yeah, it's a very nondescript shop, but he's got. Then you'll be like, "Oh, he's got like forty bases in here." Nice. From like, from like entry level, entry level Chinese bases to eighty thousand dollar bases. It was it was, sure. it was such a cool education. Just walk around that shop, and I'd be like, "Play this one and play this one," and he'd be like, "I was like, why do I like this one? What's going on here?" Talking about strings, talking about style, talking about plywood, just talking about all, like plywood versus hybrid versus everything. It was just like such a such a primer on bass. Yeah. What'd you uh, What'd you end up with? What is your bass? Uh, it's just an Eastman. Okay. ES9. Okay, I'm not familiar with their. I've played a few and I've always liked them, but yeah, I don't like. It's a new K. They're not quite okay. as nice as old Ks, but they 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 like bought the K machinery and. Or oh, did they? K. Yeah, I think that's what the oh, Eastman wow. bases are. Am I saying that right? Is it an Eastman or is it an Eastwood? Eastman. Engelhart. Is... Sorry, it's an Engelhart. That's not. Oh, right. okay. Yeah, it's that Engelhart. Yeah, that yeah. makes a ton of sense, right? Yeah, it's an Engelhart. So it plays, yeah, it's like a newer K. It's, okay. It's it's a workhorse. It's plywood based. Yeah. Don't worry about right. it. Yeah. Is that is it the same one you take on the road and in the studio, or do you have one just that so you kind of keep it at uh, the house? And I have just, that's the one. It's the one yeah, I have. Yeah, that's, that's the hope and the dream right there. Like, <laughs> if something happens to it, no gig. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, the nice thing now is, yeah, totally. But that's, I mean, no, who travels with two bases? That'd be ridiculous. No, I thought maybe this was just like a, a road base you only took out uh, for the road. No, that's 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 the one. It's nice. Yeah. Alex has it on Englehart as well. Okay. Um, and so because he's playing upright on some tune sacks. I also play guitar and mandolin, so we swap around. Oh, you guys rotate within the group. We do. It's pretty okay. we we have we have I think there's four of us on stage and then there'll be I think the last show we played was four of us on stage and 12 instruments. <laughs> oh. That's a lot. It's so dumb. he doesn't play your bass? He does on stage, but he has one and oh. So it's like it's nice oh, okay, at least okay. within the within the band family if something were to happen to mine, like Sure, there's a there is there's one on bass. standby. There's one on right. standby. We got to back up. <laughs> yeah. What what do you prefer playing like in the group? Do you prefer playing bass? And it's okay I mean, to say no even though it's a bass podcast. No, man. I I I go 
I like it all. It's really yeah. depends on what, what I'm trying to do. Right. I love the role of the bass and I love sure. the role of the mandolin. I love the, I like, I like if I'm singing songs, it's kind of, I kind of like leading them on guitar a little bit more. I, okay. Uh, but I can, I'll sing from the bass too. It doesn't, yeah, it's, I, I don't know, man. I, I, I have musical ADD. That's why. Yeah. yeah. Um, having like kind of been, you know, a bass player at heart for so many years, but not having it be realized until you got your bass. How does now playing the bass inform your songwriting? Have you noticed a shift in songwriting since you're actively have a bass in your hands? My relationship with songwriting is an interesting one. I write songs, but I don't, I don't have like a discipline around that in terms of like being a songwriter. Mm-hmm. Like they happen to just come out and I'm like, Oh, that's cool. All right. There's a song. Right. And, but as far as like sitting down and writing and having the like, I've been trying to figure out this analogy because I like really like, I don't mind hard work. Like I don't mind, like mm-hmm. I'm going to ride, I'll ride my bike up that hill so that I can ride down it. I'll walk, walk up the hill on my ski, so I can ski okay. down. But like, sure. what is that for? What is that for songwriting? Putting it's, in the work, just like, yeah, what is putting kind of grinding work? it out? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how to grind it out. Songwriting. I've not developed that skill set. <laughs> oh, really? Where you just like, habitually like try to write, a yeah. verse a day you're totally you made it it's of, like uh, the songs that i've written come out in like an hour and i like them a lot amazing yeah but then i'm like oh here's this like i've got this verse and a chorus i think it's pretty sweet and my bandmates are like it is finish it I'm like it will be once it's done. It will when be to come back done. to us when it's yeah, done. It would be great if you'd wrote just another, it just needs like another verse. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I have this, per, it's like that perfectionist, the double edged sword of perfectionism, man, is like. That's yeah. true, yeah. It's, How it's, do you deal with that? Do you dive right into it and like obsess until it's perfect and then you can walk away? Or do you, has no, it been this kind of ongoing process of learning how to let go if it's not an idea of perfect? It's more that where it gets stuck is that I like I'll, I'll I'll not come up with the perfect next line and then I'll put it down. And it just stays there <laughs> in a stays there. Yeah, <laughs> or hangs out in limbo for. How how many how many tunes do you think you have that are just sitting there in the in the bullpen? You know like that aren't good hooks and like uh, there's probably at least yeah. there's probably at least like. Ten that are like oh, man, that's a record. That's a record. I know. I know. Yeah. I like have this. Do like, any of them work together? Like using that hook on this thing? Not. I'll play around with that. I don't. Nothing. <laughs> like that. I mean, I'm my head, but maybe. Yeah, I think on tunes that I've had to walk away from, or I never thought worked, a lot of times. I'm pumping out a lot of material like that. So they're all, they all have a lot of commonalities to them. And they're all, I hit a wall in them also. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if it's like the, the thing with me where it's just writer's block kind of a thing. Yeah. Or, or if that it, somewhere in there, they should all just work together. And I'm trying to make them different. Yeah, there might be that. You know, but I also have a hard time revisiting them. Like, yeah, it exists. I don't know if I want to go back to it. I'll just do something else, create something else similar or. Yeah. 
you know, whatever I was trying to do with that, I'll just use that part of it. Yeah. I and just like walk I'm, away from it. If I can write that, then I can write it again somewhere else. <laughs> That's I feel like I, I need think. to just like lock myself in a, like go do some like intentional writer's retreat sort of thing and get away from right. all the stuff I can so easily distract me. It's like, ah, oh, I, I don't know what to do with this song. Well, I probably should look at YouTube. I don't know. Maybe. They <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, you're, you're an outdoorsy guy. Like, uh, just going out, just like going for a hike, going for a walk, you know, doing a 45-day rafting retreat. <laughs> <laughs> does, that, does that clear your head when you come back to music? It doesn't. It doesn't. Not not as far as that goes. Okay. Not as far, I feel like I just need – yeah. I have this like – maybe it's a story I'm telling myself, but I feel like I have this like hump I need to get over and then I'll be like – I feel like I'm like really close to being very prolific, <laughs> but I just need to get over my shit. <laughs> I'll be prolific when I'll be prolific when, yeah, I'll be happy when well, what's, now, now this is fascinating. Cause I think everybody has that. Um, what is it for you? What's the, when, like, what's the hump? What is, if there was a magic bullet that would, that would knock out that out, you know, and then the, when, could happen. So you sound like what has therapist. to be knocked out? What's good. the hurdle? You sound like my therapist. This is good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I don't really want to get into the family, but if you got time, we can go yeah. there too. Yeah. <laughs> I'll use that for um, another podcast. What is the way, the like, I think it's the being willing to stop distracting myself, but also not to let go of the perfection, I think I just need to finish. I think I just need to practice finishing songs. I think that's, that's, that's actually, I've, I've had this kind of conversation with different people in, in different genres and different aspects of the music business while all bass players on the podcast. And the perfection, perfection thing, that's, that's serious. And it's a debilitating yeah. characteristic. I have it. I definitely have it. And it's well, why um, probably good. That's the double-edged sword, right? Like, it's like if you weren't, it's like there's people who like see in my mind. There's nothing. I'll I'll Mm. never be good enough in my mind, and I I had to learn to live with. Well, then I'll just always suck, according to me. Okay. (laughs) According to me, I'll always suck. That's fine then. Like, whatever, you know. I'll never hear myself play as someone else hears me play because I've I know the whole history of this you know I know when I worked out that idea I know how I blah 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 yeah but the uh, so I'll never hear it that way I always hear what's not there because I take what is there for granted because I spend so much time working on it but the perfectionist thing is definitely debilitating and it's it's always fascinating um, you know I mean I'm trying to answer the same question because I, I have I have it you know like no, it'll be cool when. Like, the, the career will get where I want it when. Well, what's that? I don't know. And it wasn't until really recently that I just kind of decided that thing doesn't matter. Like, it doesn't matter. So I'm just going to do it regardless. Because that when thing that I is either just a mental block that I can't get over or I'm putting way too much stock into it. So let's say... Right, it, it always costs money to finance projects and artistic stuff. So for the sake of this, let's say it's money. Well, cool, I'll do that when I have the the money to get the dudes in the studio and do a release and get management and get PR and all that stuff. Instead of just doing it, 
you know, like whatever, it'll work out how it's going to work out. Yeah. Regardless, like letting go to that is frightening. But I can do it when I play, but I can't do it on like this side of the base. If I don't have the base in my hand, I can't do it. As soon as I'm playing, yeah, fine, wherever it goes, it goes. I'm with you. Let's go. Yeah, that's but, an interesting one. But in the in the kind of the the strategy, you know, organization of a the career aspect of it, I really suffer from the perfectionist thing. That is such an interesting thing. That's a really interesting perspective. I like that because it's like it's like the difference between playing in the studio versus playing live. When like you play live right. and it's just like I oh, was like wrong note, you just flow right by it. Don't worry about yeah. it. It's like. The groove is still there. Everything's still there. It's in like, but then when you're playing in the studio, it's like can be this like per- perfectionist of just like, oh, gotta gotta play it all right. Gotta play right. every right note. And and then what happens is you you, you choke. You know, like to use no, that analogy, no. like you get red light syndrome, and then you're like eh, and then you can't even do you know eighty percent of what you could do. Totally. If you were then, relaxed. But like, what is that? What is the like? I think that 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 throws me off come circle back to the social media thing too it's like yeah. definitely like want that like i want to make a reel i don't want to make it like good it's got to be fucking yeah. per- it's got to be perfect yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? i need a I need a five camera shoot i need like well backlit like right totally i obsess about like, all what that is, stuff but the thing the fun the cool thing about it, it's like even better like it's like if, with social media is like if nobody sees it if it's bad nobody sees it yeah <laughs> right it's like it's like even better than almost anything else like it's like seems like almost the best place to just throw throw darts but like throw darts what is that what is that for like is as far as like the music business part of things like how can i embody the like the energy of live performance of just man the groove still goes the groove is happening you're just i'm just joining it yeah, yeah, and and I'm just I'm just with the groove while it's happening as with with my like with my businessy part of the thing, part of the game is and, right. and also like and if like oh I played a wrong note all right cool yeah <laughs> right yeah no that's that's not as debilitating as uh, the business the business side of maybe you know, as I'm, we're talking I'm kind of thinking through it that maybe I'm just not as confident in the business administrative stuff. Like well, I'm confident in what I can do. Base a lot more than you practice business. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know anything about any of this. <laughs> I'm just doing it. Uh, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Uh, at least with the base, like I'm, you know, I've, I've studied how to manipulate all that. Yeah. You know, if I find myself in a hole, I know how to get out. But I've also that's been years of trial and error and learning the hard way too. So there's that. You know, I, I definitely paid my dues. Yeah, maybe that's what it is. Maybe I don't want to pay any more dues, and I think this is turning into my therapy session. <laughs> <laughs> Do I have to like schedule another podcast with you on the way out yeah, so that we can, you know, dig a little deeper into this? Just to, yeah, <laughs> some journal prompts for yeah. the next time. <laughs> I want you to come up with a gratitude list. Uh, <laughs> Man, uh, so there's nothing on the. Uh, we're gonna, we're done with the therapy. There's nothing. Okay. What's the closest to Southern California? I want to come check you guys out. The closest to Southern California. I mean, like, we're not even getting into California. 
Yeah. <laughs> oh. Colorado is the closest. Colorado. Salt <laughs> Lake City. Uh, this has been great, man. Any any new news or anything, hit me up. I'd love to have you back on. Yeah. I did. I want to answer your question earlier, too. You, you, oh, you got yeah. I from, you yeah, I have like the ADD. I forgot what I asked. Albums. Just albums. And like. Oh, yeah, like, all the way back. Who would yeah. you, you play? And I was, it's just like, man, play along with the Wood Brothers. Like. Yeah. And listen, I mean, listen to like a lot of classic bluegrass, but like really for like upright bass chops, Wood Brothers and Lake Street Dive were like my. Wood Brothers and Street Dive. What album? The Wood Brothers. A whole collection? Everything. Yeah? <laughs> All of it. Okay. I've never checked them out. I'm going to go check oh, them really? out. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, dude. I'm not a bluegrass guy, though. But you're, well, he's not bluegrass. They're not bluegrass. They're like more oh, what bluesy. You're, you're upright. Okay. You're, you play both, right? Yeah, yeah, I play both. But like, I do jazz. Yeah. Like, I'm he, one of those. He's definitely got jazz backgrounds. He played with Modesky Martin and Wood, if you're. Oh, sick. That's, so is that kind of like jam bandy? It's, it's more like. Vibe? bluesy okay but not like i don't know I, i'm so bad with genres i don't know what you call it yeah, yeah. But <laughs> all right that's fine it's yeah check out the wood brothers and lake street dive like both both those are like they're they're where i cut my cut my chops all right all right all right that was Eric Shedd, and the band is called Birds of Play. Check them out. Go to thebayshed.com backslash podcast. There will be links there uh, to his album. We're actually, wherever there, wherever you are listening to this podcast, there will be a link uh, in the description below to the band. So check them out, Birds of Play. Very cool record. Again, the record I heard was Murmurations Volume 2. Great stuff. Great stuff. If you are enjoying the Bay Shed Podcast, please hit subscribe wherever you are listening to it. And that's all I got for this one, folks. That about wraps her up. Uh, (laughs) Thanks for listening, and I will catch you on the next one in a minute.